Hey, welcome to The Green Report. This is Ryan Skrbarczyk, your host and director of legislative and regulatory affairs for the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. Our team at TNLA created The Green Report to bring you all things news and politics as it relates to the green industry in Texas. Today, I'm joined by a couple of guests to discuss the H-2B program, a critical temporary work visa program for seasonal jobs like those in the landscape industry. A little after midnight, January 1st, 2019, the Department of Labor's iCERT system, the one built to handle petitions for H-2B applications, crashed for days after being overloaded within five minutes with petitions for over 97,000 H-2B workers nationwide. The slots available under the cap that evening, 33,000. Needless to say, there's an impending labor crisis for seasonal employers across the country. That leads us to our discussion today. First, TNLA Chair-Elect Jay Williams explains the program from an employer's perspective and the challenges we face in the industry. Then I talk with Andrew Bray from NALP about what's happening in D.C. and can we expect any relief sometime soon. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. For over 80 years, the Texas Nursery and Landscape Association has established the most trusted methods of doing business. TNLA is the essential resource providing the framework, essential tools, and foresight for member success and serves as the authority on issues impacting the Texas green industry. Become a member of TNLA today. All right, folks, today I've got Jay Williams with me here, and uh, Jay is chair-elect of TNLA and also one of the first industry folks I met when I joined TNLA because day one for me was a fly-in to Washington, D.C. to work on this H-2B issue, and uh, I think we'll get into kind of how critical that is, but uh, Jay, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So we wanted to... uh, as one of our very first episodes of the Green Report, get into why H2B is so important to our industry and maybe go over why we at TNLA spend a large chunk of our advocacy time dedicated to this issue. I wonder if, if first you could get into why or how your company got involved with H2B and, and, and why it's important to you. Sure. Well, let me give you a little background. H-2B was a, is a guest worker program that was instituted back in the 1980s and has had uh, a great success since then. It's a method by which an employer has the ability to advertise for jobs, seasonal jobs, each year. And in advertising, we are looking for American workers to fill those positions and If we have anybody that comes in to fill the position, then we accept them, no questions asked, as an employee. And uh, if we do not have a sufficient number of applicants, then we are allowed to then receive visas. The company actually receives the visa, and then we go and find workers. In our case, it's in Mexico and El Salvador. And we find these workers who come in on these visas. These are temporary visas. They're only in place for several months, and the maximum is either nine or ten months. 
and it's only for the purpose of filling a need that is seasonal. And we do this process each and every year. We have to prove that we are unable to fill those positions, those seasonal positions with American workers. The issue that we've had the last several years is that the program has become so popular because the economy has been expanding. The result is, is that a lot of companies who wish to play by the rules, who wish to operate within a legal system, have been jumping into the H-2B process. And there are only 66,000 visas each year issued through this program, 33,000 in October and then 33,000 in April. The popularity of the program means that we now have well over 100,000 applications, accepted applications of companies that have proven their need, and there's just not enough visas to go out. Uh, Ryan and I, along with others, uh, we went to uh, Washington to try to get the cap increased, to try to adapt the program to become more usable, more accommodating for the needs of the market. And unfortunately, at this point, we haven't succeeded, but we're hopeful and there are signs that we may be making good progress. Right, right. hope lives eternal. I'm impressed with the uh, industry and their resilience to kind of stomach this government process that's been set up, but also volunteers like yourself. And this last trip that we took, we uh, we took a, a number of TNLA members uh, along with the group to continue to go to D.C. and try to talk to Congress about how important this is and, and the, the changes that we need, um, which unfortunately, you know, we rely on Congress to, to, to work on, and they're not accomplishing a whole lot as of late. You did touch on a couple of things I, I want to reiterate, and, and I'm glad you brought them up, is that the programs and the industries that, uh, that use this visa program hire Americans first, and that, that really is the, the priority. And as you said, those slots that are available at your company or any other company, they go to Americans who apply for the job. And it, it's only in times like our t- current economy where the job pool is so small and the economy is so good that um, employers who are helping grow our GDP and, and this economy at the rate that they have been are put in this crunch for labor. We just we don't have sufficient labor, and the Department of Labor uh, in Washington has certified that, that the number of job openings are exceeding the labor pool. And so you, you talked about the pressure of the number of companies who are finding out about H2B and wanting to utilize it because we're all in the same situation. Um, and then the fact that we have to go again and again to, to Congress to get some uh, relief because there is this kind of arbitrary cap of 66,000 visas. And it's not, it, it, that doesn't reflect the reality of what the Department of Labor certifies or our current economy. So when we went this last time, uh, give, me, give me kind of your thoughts on how the trip went and, and maybe some folks we met with. Well, it was interesting. Uh, I have been on a, a, some previous trips, and uh, when we first started talking about the program, there weren't a whole lot of people that were familiar with it, and they were actually very impressed uh, with the idea that there would be a legal method of, of doing this. 
And this time when we went, we visited with several freshman congressmen, and it was uh, illuminating for them. They were by and large not familiar with the program because although this program is very, very important to a lot of small companies, it is not something that is on the public consciousness. It's not something that people uh, are aware of or talk about with any frequency. Right. So our trip, I thought, was very successful in that we were able to explain the program, explain how it works, and especially explain the need. Yeah. I mean, I I was encouraged. We we got to meet face-to-face with some congressional leaders. I mean, you don't get to do that every time. Sometimes it's in, and obviously you still have quality, productive meetings with uh, key staff members who handle these issues. But, uh, I mean, I thought it was pretty encouraging that we got into the office of several congressional officials, um, new, new, as you alluded to, from the state of Texas, potentially were maybe the first one to educate them on this issue. Exactly. And it's, I think one of the things that uh, is mentioned in those, in those conversations that I've, uh, that I've had the benefit of being able to do previously as well is to explain that those companies that are participating in this program are the ones that are trying to play by the rules. We're yep. trying to play within the system. Yep. The workers that are coming in on these visas, uh, these are the workers that are playing by the rules. They arrive each year at the prescribed time. Uh, they register. Uh, we know who they are. We know their names, their backgrounds, their country of origin. We know their family situation. We know the company that they're going to be working for. And then at the end of their season, whatever that season may be, they have returned home. And we have shown this year after year. We've been, this is our 21st year to be enrolled in the H2B program. And we have one worker who's been with us 21 years. We have a number of others that have been 10 years, 12 years, 15 years that just keep returning and these are the ones that are playing by the rules so i think it's noteworthy when we talk to folks in washington or if we're talking to anybody else who's interested that this is a system that is working it's working as it's designed and it is rewarding the companies and the individuals who are playing by the rules who are trying to do it right yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and we tell the story every time we go to D.C. and meet with folks about the number of American workers that this program supports. And you could probably speak directly to, to your company about that. But also the fact that individuals who come in on this program pay the same taxes, but don't aren't the drain on any of the national entitlement systems. And so they're essentially feeding into the economy and then they're required by law to go home. And if they ever want to come back on this, and as you said, many of them do, they, uh, they, they have to abide by the rules. And so they have to go home. So they pay in. Um, and uh, and it's a it's a net plus essentially for our economy in a in a whole lot of ways. Right. And last year, when we took our trip to Washington, we were in uh, dire straits because we had not received our visa authorization. Uh, we have about forty workers that we were bringing in at that time, and our entire field staff is about 80 or 85 so it comprised about half of our workforce uh, during the during the season the result would have been if we had 
that, and I, we eventually did get our visas, but it, the result of not having received our visas would have been that I would have had to lay off support staff and management staff because obviously the company is half the size that it would have been without the H-2B visas. Now this scenario, this story is repeated uh, in reality numerous times. When I was in, uh, in Washington with some other folks from Dallas uh, last year, there was one company that had literally laid off about 20 workers because they did not get their 100 visas. They had laid off 20 American workers, right. and they had to cancel those contracts. And that was repeated by other contractors as well. So it has a negative, not having this program has a negative impact, not just on individual companies, although it is critical for individual companies, but it has an impact on the economy as a whole because those American workers are now out looking for jobs, whereas they were being helpful and supportive of those uh, positions that came in by visa. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jay, I think it's fair to say we're making some progress on the issue. This last trip, uh, we learned afterwards that there was a letter sent to congressional leadership where we got a total of 31 senators across the nation and uh, over 90 U.S. House members to sign on in support of cap relief for H-2B. So I think we're, we're headed in the right direction. Obviously, the government at, at the time of this recording is funded, and, uh, and they have resumed operations, and, and that means also negotiations on uh, the appropriations bills, which are so important to this, this process. I would wonder, kind of lastly, if you, if you could give a word of advice or maybe encouragement to our industry members about why they should get involved, even if they don't utilize H-2B um, in this advocacy effort, why they should write letters and make calls to Congress. Well, I think that it's important that we try to establish a, me- a method of, of uh, achieving employment through legal means. I think that it's important in our country that we have information about those who are here working in our country, whether they are citizens or non-citizens, whether they are here on a, a temporary seasonal basis or whether they're here on a permanent visa. We want to we want to know who they are. We want to know about them. We want to be able to understand the, the folks that are here uh, helping boost our economy. Unfortunately, if, you, if we do not support legal methods and means, then that means the illegal methods and means is what ends up funding a lot of our, or feeding a lot of our jobs. And that's not what we want. We right. want to be able to to be able to have an understanding of those folks that are here, and we want to be able to be in control of the situation. If we don't go for, if we don't enhance and improve these legal systems, then the result is going to be undocumented workers continuing to flood the market. So it, it is very much a situation where the support not only benefits individual companies, but especially our industry, but it also benefits the entire American economy and our way of life. Amen. 
Well, I couldn't have said it better myself, Jay. We're very appreciative of you uh, for joining us today, and uh, hopefully you'll be back on the show soon, and and, uh, we'll have some more progress, if not a final resolution on this H2B issue. That sounds like great news, and I hope that we will be able to do that. Thanks, Jay, and have a great one. All right, I've got Andrew Bray with the National Association of Landscape Professionals here with me. Andrew, how are you? Good, how are you doing? Good. Thanks for calling in from D.C. I guess if you're on the phone with us, the first thing that tells us if you survived the uh, winter vortex y'all had up there in that part of the country. We certainly did. Uh, it was actually a balmy 65 on Tuesday, and now we're expecting <laughs> snow on Sunday. That's typical D.C. winter. I was going to say that that almost sounds like Texas weather, actually. So, So most of our listeners will be familiar with that. Well, I, I appreciate you joining us. Um, to, to give our listeners some context, you are the Vice President of Government Relations for NALP. Uh, how long have you been in that position, and, and what's it been like so far? Yeah, yeah. Well, well first of all, thanks for having me. And uh, sorry we couldn't figure out the Skype. That is a problem on my end. No. Nah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's been great. I came on board in July uh, of this past year, so my math is probably bad, but about uh, seven, eight months so far, and uh, it's been great. Um, you know, I, I came from another association that worked closely with the lawn care side as in pest management, um, but as I've told a few people, uh, I actually did landscaping all through high school and college, um, so this is one of the first associations I've ever worked for. I feel like I have a kind of an intimate knowledge and, and good connection with what our members are actually doing. So it makes it that much easier and that much more rewarding to be able to advocate on behalf of the industry. Oh, absolutely. Well, and we certainly appreciate all the work that y'all do at NALP and the partnership that we have with y'all on some of these important issues like H2B. Um, obviously, we, we need folks like y'all in D.C. on the ground um, on a daily basis just trying to fight the good fight. Uh, so we had Jay Williams, who is in uh, TNLA's um, chair-elect, and he and I and a group of other employers came to D.C. recently. Y'all were our very gracious host and helped coordinate um, a nationwide fly-in to some of the key members up on Capitol Hill. Can you kind of tell us what your takeaway from that was? Sure, sure. Well, first of all, that was a true testament to the commitment with some of our members. I think we planned that on January 2nd. We sent out an email and we did it about two weeks later. Um, We had some great contingencies there. I think Texas was definitely um, the largest group there. And Ryan, you did a great job, you know, shepherding that group around. Uh, But we had groups from throughout the nation and, you know, we had a message to convey about, uh, you know, re-educating what the issue was because the problem was is we had been fighting the same fight uh in the 115th congress and then as soon as the shutdown happened and we had to re-see everybody in january the political landscape had shifted um so there was some re-education and we needed to be able to demonstrate that there was bipartisan support especially now that democrats control the house um so i thought what was really tremendous was we had a letter so we had a concrete ask that we wanted members to sign on to a letter and we had 31 senators and 98 representatives sign on to that letter. Yeah. Getting 31 senators is pretty good. Um, and I would tell you that I think there was another 50 to 70 members in the House that would have signed the letter, but they were being told not to do anything that 
could mess with the messaging with regards to the government shutdown. Sure. I, I think it, I think it was a really good event. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the, obviously the shutdown complicated everything, uh, leading up to, and, uh, our trip there. And we, Jay and I kind of talked, uh, touched on that letter briefly and that we thought that was a really positive development, but I think Jay's big takeaway, and it's good to hear that you agree with it. And I, uh, I guess that means it was reflected across all the delegations that attended was the fact that we got in to see several congressional officials themselves, and and it was, for them, very clearly the first time they had heard about what um, private industry is dealing with when it comes to this H2B issue and how important it it is to the landscape industry and how acutely it affects our guys. So that was was really great. Uh, Yeah, yep, definitely was. I mean, there were lots of meetings of members, and uh, there was key meetings with, you know, people that are in important positions and even leadership, so it was a good event. Well, so can you tell us kind of what the latest is on H2B um, and and maybe some newer developments since we've, obviously the government is funded uh, as, as we speak currently. Um, when this goes live, uh, we hope, I guess, it continues to be funded and hopefully there'll be some positive news uh, coming up down the road, but can you give us some insight into that? Sure, sure. I just, you know, as a timestamp, I have it at 4.03 Eastern on Friday, February 8th, as we're making this recording. Yeah. Uh, so the government is scheduled to be open for another week plus uh, about eight more hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, in all seriousness, I, I do think that what just occurred with the longest shutdown, there's no appetite on Capitol Hill to do another shutdown. Yeah. Um, I think... Leader McConnell has has indicated that um, if if the president isn't going to sign something, I think that they have veto-proof numbers in both the House and Senate to override that as long as Congress comes with an agreement, which I think will happen, and I think it's going to happen. What we've been told within the next 48 to 72 hours, um, what we understand is that Congress doesn't want to have to do this at midnight next week. They think it looks bad, and there's some procedural hurdles that have to be taken care of because bills have to be introduced and you know sit in the chamber for a certain amount of time so they want this wrapped by the end of the weekend so they can do all that stuff and vote on this probably next wednesday or thursday and get out of town and they say um, they sound a lot like the texas legislature in that regard when they when they really want to get home it kind of motivates things <laughs> it tends to be that way um I, I wish they all needed h2b visas and then you know we could have this situation <laughs> yeah no kidding um, and unfortunately, they all do need H2B visas. They just don't necessarily realize it. Right. And, uh, the de- positive developments are that there's some leaders in the Senate that are aggressively pursuing several options, including a returning worker exemption or a, a quick cap increase. Um, but whatever we can to get a number boost, at least for FY19, um, because without something now, there's probably not another vehicle that's going to move before the season's really up and moving, and then our guys are hurt again. Right. Um, I do think that whatever happens now, there's then a longer discussion to have to do a more comprehensive reform, and that's going to need to take steps. But right now, all the focus is on getting some sort of immediate relief for the FY19 year. Right, because the pain is is right around the corner as far as folks getting capped out. Well, I, I wanted to, to see if you had any context from a historical perspective. I know you've been um, with NALP for a short period of time and, and, and basically the same amount of time I've been with TNLA. Um, but why this issue seems to uh, be so difficult to get some resolution on and our folks have to continue to go to DC again and again to, in some cases, like most recently, re-educate 
or educate for the first time members of Congress and their staff on how important this is. Um, and yeah. being and the fact that it's so important, you know, we have to continue fighting the same fight. Yeah, I think there's a couple things at play which are very unfortunate. First of all, the re-education is continuous because the churn on Capitol Hill is like no other place you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I worked on Capitol Hill and I was only there for a year. Um, but, you know, <laughs> more than a year is a long stint for some of these people. Not yeah. to mention, you know, every two years you're getting people that are getting voted out of office and new coming in. So the re-education is just part of it. I, I think from a historical context, I can speak broadly that the since... 2010, um, Congress has been just beyond dysfunctional. And I give the context that I started doing government affairs work in 2003 for the Grocery Manufacturers Association. Right. And I'm not saying 2003 was a walk in the park, um, but the mid-2000s, there was legislation moving. Um, I, I do think in 2010 there was a turn when the Republicans retook control of the House mm-hmm. of just just a, a let's not legislate and let's just you know stab each other in the backs and do nothing right be the be the barrier it's yeah just, everything yeah i mean so you add that in beside so before you get to h2b i just want to paint that picture and that's by nobody's fault that's just kind of the dynamic we're in right now right and it's not one party's fault or the other it's both parties fault. right um but from an h2b thing or an h2b stance it's just a tough issue because we have enemies on both sides of the aisle and that's what happens. You get a, a Republican that wants to support this, they'll support it, but then they don't want to be out in the open because they're worried about getting flanked to their right in, say, a primary. Mm-hmm. The same thing happens with Democrats. So, and then the, the last thing, I know I'm kind of rambling here. We know it's not an immigration issue. We know it's a labor issue, but it's considered an immigration issue. And immigration mm-hmm. has been the talk of the town since I started working in 2003 and 2004. Nothing's been done. Right. It's a political hot potato, and H2B is wrapped up in it for for various reasons, and it's just unfortunate. Yeah, it, it really is. I think that any uh, employer who makes the trip to D.C. and takes the time, or it, and you don't even have to go to D.C. to find this out, but can call and talk to staff uh, about this issue up there, uh, you will get the occasional staffer who, who can tell you, well, you know, my boss considers this as part of a comprehend, comprehensive immigration bill, and uh, it's really an immigration issue, and we need to wait for something like that to come up before we can get into it. It's frustrating to hear when you have businesses uh, who, in some cases, are essentially on a lifeline, uh, waiting on this government process to sort itself out every you know year or so. Um, so, hopefully, we'll get some relief. It's g- good to hear that we do have continued champions uh, in the House and the Senate, and even as this process continues to evolve with conference committees and regular order and things taken out of order, that that we do have folks who are looking out for. Uh, the landscape industry in particular, but just private industry in general up there. And thank you guys, obviously, for all the work that uh, that y'all do up there. Any any kind of closing comments or maybe ways that uh, folk action items for folks to take? No, no, yeah. First, yeah, yeah, thank you for inviting me to speak with you guys today, and, and hopefully your members that listen to this were not bored to death. Uh, <laughs> you, and I are, you and I are both government relations guys, so this is very interesting to us. Right. You know that that's unique. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, in all seriousness, I, what I would want to say first is for those that made the trek, thank you. For those that have made treks before, thank you. Um, it, it is discouraging at times, but I can't tell you how much it means when these offices have people come in that are from the district. That being said, the other things that can be done is we are continuously putting out grassroots tools where you can send emails, make phone calls. But one of the most underutilized things you can do in Texas is 
all of your elected officials have district offices. Yep. And while they're not in D.C., I can tell you right now that the district director is one of the most important person in a congressional or Senate office because while they're in D.C., they need to know what's going on with their constituents. Anyone that gets out of touch with their constituents, that's how they get ousted from office. So they pay close attention to that. So I would leave everyone with you know just that stay involved, look for those opportunities, and then you know be whatever happens with H2B, good or bad. You know we're not going to stop this fight. Um, you know I'm, I'm committed to seeing this through on behalf of all of you. Oh, well, we definitely appreciate that. We're in the, we're in the same boat with you on that. And uh, thank you so much for your time. As I told Jay when we left our conversation uh, earlier, we hope that there will come a time in the near future where we can come back on and celebrate some good news as it relates to H2B. But until that time, keep up the good fight, and thanks for all the work you guys do. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good one. Today's episode was sponsored by Texas Nursery and Landscape Association. Texas Nursery and Landscape Association's mission is to enhance members' business success through legislative and regulatory advocacy, education, networking, and the promotion of professionalism. We attract green industry professionals because we advocate, cultivate, collaborate, educate, and motivate members. Become a member of TNLA today.